The talk I'm going to give this morning might be a little shorter than uh, normal um, because I feel that the challenge of the passage that we're going to be looking at, uh, the challenge for you and me, uh, is so important that I don't want its impact to be lost in the many words um, of a longer talk. Um, I want to talk about something which is so fundamental to what we claim to be as Christians, as followers and servants of the Lord Jesus. Our response to the challenges of Scripture is really dependent on our appetite, isn't it? But I'm going to say something quite controversial in a moment, um, quite radical, uh, you might think. Um, it's not about our appetite for God's Word. We often talk about our appetite for the Scriptures, don't we? Um, how much time we spend reading our Bibles, how, how, um, how well we know our Bibles. And of course, that's, that's important. Um, reading our Bibles is how we get to know about God and about the things that he's done and about the things that he wants us um, to do. But God forbid that our Christian appetite should be so limited that the expression of our faith should be limited to just reading the Bible and discussing it with others. What we should be talking about, and this is where the real challenge is, is our appetite for the Christian life. Our appetite to do the things, not just read about them, that God wants us to do. And our passage today shows us how much more is expected of us than just being bookworms. Now before we read the passage, um, I'd like to give you an example, a real life example of a couple who practiced what Jesus was teaching in the, in the passage that we're going to look at in, in, the, in the Gospel of Luke. This happened after the collapse of the Berlin Wall in 1989. The, um, there was a person in East Germany um, and there was no one more despised than this person. He was the um, former communist dictator, um, Eric Honecker, and he'd um, been stripped of his office and even the communist party had, had rejected him. He was kicked out of his villa and the new government refused to let um, him or his wife have, have any, any, any housing. They, they were basically homeless. And, uh, this, and destitute this former, former dictator. But there was a pastor called Hugh Homer, and he was the director of a Christian help centre just north of Berlin. When he became aware of the Honecker's situation, he felt it would be wrong to give them one of the rooms which were intended for people who were in even greater need than the Honecker's. But instead, the pastor and his family decided to give the former dictator, most hated man in Germany, <coughs> chose to give him a place in their own home. 
Eric Honecker's wife um, had ruled the East German education system for about 25 years, and that her policies, which were inherently anti-Christian, had denied the opportunity for the pastor's children to go into higher education. But now the homers were curing for their enemy, as I say, one of the most, one of the most hated men in, in Germany. With God's help, the homers showed love to their enemies. They did them good. They blessed them and they prayed for them. These terms, you will notice, resonate with the passage that we're going to be looking at. They turned the other cheek. They shared their own home with someone who would gladly have seen them homeless. They did to the Hanukkahs what they would have wished that the Hanukkahs would have done for them. Now, perhaps that's an extreme example, but that's the kind of thing that we are thinking about with our passage today. So let's read it now. We're reading in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 6, and we're going to start at verse 27. Luke, chapter 6, and verse 27. Now, this is the continuation of a sermon that Steve was talking to us about last week. Um, so it starts off a little bit earlier, actually. Um, verse 20, looking at his disciples, he said. That point just becomes relevant as we get a little bit further on. Uh, looking at his disciples, so he said this to his disciples. So verse 27, this is what he said. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who ill-treat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good, to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great. And you will be children of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your father is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. We start with an interesting phrase, I think. Um, to you who are listening, Jesus said. Now, obviously, his disciples were listening, but we know, don't we, that in conversations or when we turn on the TV or even maybe when we come to church or go to conferences to listen to ministry, sometimes we can hear words without fixing them in our minds, um, without 
concentrating, perhaps, without a real intention to go away and to put into practice what we've, what we've just um, heard. Um, and 10 minutes later, or, 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 or maybe longer, we have no idea what's just been said. Or is that just me? You know, it, it happens, doesn't it? You know, some of you will go away today, and by the time you get to the car park, you have no idea what I, was, what I, what I said. Or maybe, hopefully, I'm going to change that today um, by emphasising every single point. But we do, don't we? And, it's, and, it, and it happens in conversations, don't you? I have no idea what Katrina was saying to me before. I wasn't listening. I heard the words, but they weren't going in. You know, that happens. We do that all the time, don't we? And we can do it when we listen to God's word. So just a guard there. And I think that's what the Lord Jesus was recognising here. He had something very important that he wanted to say to his disciples. And the first thing that he said is, are you listening? Are you listening? And that challenge or that question comes down to us today, doesn't it? Whenever we're listening to um, ministry from God's word. The basic principle that Jesus wanted to get over is in um, verses 27 and 28. He said, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who ill-treat you. We have a duty to love our enemies, especially anyone who might haters or say bad things about us or do bad things which either directly or indirectly hurt us or the people that we care about in in any way now i'll leave it to your imagination and maybe the memory of your experiences to think about um, what personal examples you you might include there who are the people that you have found yourself thinking unkind thoughts towards shall we say I'm sure we've all done it. People in authority, um, we've all thought unkind things about politicians, probably, or um, or, or or the government, or um, or, 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 or or local councillors, or if you've ever tried to put an, a small extension on your house in a conservation area, the planning authorities. It just seems like they're just there to, you know, little 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 Hitlers. We call, they sometimes get called. Um, you know, because it just feels like they're just there to, you know, to, to, you know, to, to spoil everything that we want to do. And you know, people in authority or even bosses in work or whatever it might be, we can find ourselves thinking unkind thoughts towards them. Well, what about bad neighbours? People who disturb our peace and quiet or, or, or worse. Um, one of the instructors at the gym that I go to, she's suffering at the moment because um, local youths are shining lasers through her windows all the time and also a couple of weeks a week ago set her car on fire. You know, so I could, you could quite understand her feeling very unkind thoughts towards the people who had done that. Or what about um, bullies, not just in school, but also in the workplace or other settings, people who can make our lives a misery. Or thieves or vandals who steal or destroy our property. Or criminals that you hear about who might have done terrible things to people that you don't even know. All the more worse if they've done it to your own family or people that you do care about. 
people who maybe, maybe uh, appear intent on smearing your reputation or the reputation of people that you care about. And even within families and friends, you know, there are friends that let us down or betrayers, uh, spouses who are unfaithful. Um, all of these kinds of things we can come across, maybe not every day or every week, but in the course of our lives, we will come across occasions when people have treated us in such a way, directly or indirectly, that we feel less than charitable towards them, shall we say. Now, let's be clear. What the Lord Jesus is asking us to do here is a completely unnatural act. It's an unnatural love. You know there are several different Greek words for love in the Bible, don't you? We've often talked about that. We have eros, the romantic kind of love. We have philia, um, the love of friendship. We have um, storge, um, which I... I hadn't come across that one before. I think we might be some that. There must be another Greek word. I've never heard that word, that, that word before but I, when I was researching this. Storge is referring to our natural affection, people that we like or respect for a whole bunch of different, different reasons, people that we just, we just like. They're all natural forms of love. The unnatural form of love is agape. It's a love which is not motivated in any way by the merit of the person who is loved. It's completely undeserved. It's been called a love of choice. It's an act of the will. When we say to ourselves that I will love this person and I will show love this, to this person, not because I feel in any way inclined to do so, but because... Firstly, I know it's a command of the Lord Jesus, and if we are serious about our Christian lives, and if we truly own the Lord Jesus as our Lord, who said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments, we have no choice in the things that he teaches. We can't pick and choose from the scriptures the things that we want to do, and the things that we'll just sort of take as you know, hints or good advice is to be ignored if we don't like it. So that's the first reason we do it because he commanded. And the second reason is that we do it because we know that is exactly the kind of love that we've received. That God has shown to us the undeserving sinners. Now Jesus gives three ways in this passage that we can show this love. He talks about our deeds. He said, do good to those who hate you. He talked about um, how we talk about them. Um, bless those who curse you, he said. And he talked about our prayer life. He said, pray for those who will treat you. And as I said, none of this will feel natural. It's against our basic instincts to have affection for our enemies. We cannot do it in our own strength. We have to ask the Lord to enable this agape love um, through his work in our lives. In verses 29 to 30, we have just a couple of examples of what this might look like in practice. Obviously, they're not intended to limit the countless ways that we might have the opportunity to show this love. But they're very powerful examples, aren't they? In 
uncivilized societies, going right back into history and even today, often retaliation is completely disproportionate. You know, you steal my chicken, I murder your family. That, 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 that sort of thing, completely disproportionate. Um, in the Mosaic Law, Exodus 21 as an example, and in, in, and in civilizations um, today, um, there is still the law of retaliation, but it's, it tends to be the law of, of fur um, retaliation. Um, Exodus 21 talks about an eye for an eye. In more contemporary language, we might say, you dent my car, your insurance, or you pay for it to be repaired. There, so there are laws of fur retaliation. But Jesus was going far beyond this, wasn't he? When we are wronged in any way, there should not be even a hint of vengeance. No desire to get our own back or square the circle or whatever the expression, the, the expression is. Um, instead, we should be generous and, and giving moderated only by the love and the wisdom that, um, that, that wants the best outcome for the other person. Clearly, there are times when we say no, when someone asks us for something, but it's not because we don't want to give it to them, it's not because we want to keep it for ourselves, it's because we think it would be unwise um, and unhelpful to that person's need if we just give them what they think that they need. So, yeah, we, we, obviously, we have, to be, we have to be sensible, but the... But the, um, but the holding back should never be about keeping for ourselves. It should always be with the best interests of the other person at heart, even if Jesus is saying this other person is someone who hates you, has said bad things about you, or in other ways has tried to ill-treat you. The golden rule, as it's often called, is in verse 31. Jesus said, do to others as you would have them do to you. You notice it's a much stronger command than if Jesus had said, don't do anything to anyone that you don't want them to do to you. The proactive, the positive version is, is so much more powerful, isn't it? Do to others as you would have them do to you. Now we shouldn't need the following verses, um, but Jesus said them, so we're going to look at them. We shouldn't need um, Jesus to persuade us with rationales and, uh, and rewards. Um, we should follow his question, his, his commands without question, shouldn't we? But in his grace and understanding of how difficult this is for us and how unnatural a thing uh, it is for us, he does explain the command. And he explains it with a very powerful point, that if we only love naturally, then we're no different to anyone else. Uh, we're no different to those who don't have the spirit of, of God in them. You know, it has been said that even Hitler loved people, and even Hitler did good works, but he only did them to people who loved him. And he only did them for people who did good things for him. It was completely reciprocal whenever he did anything, anything good. We need to be better than that, Jesus is saying. 
And he says in verse 36 that we should imitate God's mercy. Why? Because, as I've already said, that's the mercy that we have received. While we were still sinners, while we were the enemies of God, Christ died for us, it says in Romans. And the reward? You know, we might have no payback in this life at all if we act like this. We might. You do good works, speak kindly, help someone who doesn't deserve it, who thinks ill of you. You never know. You might turn them around. There might be a, a wonderful friendship there at some point in the future. But probably not. In this life, there might be no reward, no payback if we act um, in the way that Jesus is saying but there is an eternal reward and Jesus says quite simply that that reward will be great verse 35 then your reward will be great and you will be children of the most high now the following verses that are, that we read um, give hints about how that reward um, in heaven will be affected by the lives that we live on we live on earth now just to be very clear about this remember the when i read verse 20 at the beginning just to introduce the passage all of this was said to his disciples the people who were already to the extent that they understood who jesus was at that time people who had already committed their lives and wanted wanted to to follow him jesus wasn't saying that this behavior and um, that he was encouraging um, can earn eternal life and the avoidance of judgment and, and, and forgiveness and so on for the unbeliever okay but we know from 2nd Corinthians 5 and 10 and other verses that at the judgment seat of Christ in addition to our salvation our basic salvation there will be reward or not depending on how faithfully we have served the Lord Jesus in this life so there's reward but there's something else and it's it's still an extension of the idea of reward but Jesus said you will be children of the Most High now what what did that mean again he was speaking to his disciples so he was not suggesting that if we imitate if people imitate this kind of behavior that they can gain salvation and become children of God without faith, without believing, without receiving Jesus as their saviour. We know that's absolutely vital. You know, the John 3 and 16, we, 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 we repeat that verse um, maybe, maybe too often because there are so many other great verses which say, tell us the same thing, but because God so loved us that if we believe in the Lord Jesus and what he did for us on the cross, dying for our sins, and we can receive salvation and that can never be taken away from us. That is how we get saved, not by doing good works, even the kind of good works that the Lord Jesus was describing in this um, passage. But, but, if we love like God loves, then we become more like him, don't we? we become more obviously his children. We become more Christ-like. And that surely is a reward in itself. When the Homer family I was telling you about at the beginning took in Eric Honecker and his wife, 
they were being like Christ. They were doing what, what Christ would have done in that situation. When we do good for our enemies, then we're like Christ. When we bless those who curse us, then we are being like Christ. When we pray for those who abuse us or mistreat us or hurt us or our families or our friends in, in, in any way, then we are being like Christ. And that likeness is our reward. But as I said, it's not, it's not easy. We, we can't do it without the help of the Holy Spirit. And, and we won't even try to do it without the right appetite. As I said at the beginning, an appetite that's more than just how much we enjoy reading our Bible, which of course is very important, but it's about our appetite for the Christian life and every unnatural thing that God has called us to do. May God help us to want it and then may God help us to do it because without his help and without our appetites, we won't. And as Jesus said, we'll be no different in our behaviour than anyone else. Those who've not received the tremendous salvation and all the blessings that we undeserving sinners have received from the Lord. So may he help us and may we be willing to receive that help to do these things in our daily lives. Let's pray.